One point or another, there. There. I'm keeping the other one on, all right? So we're just going double mic today. I'm going to try not to touch this. This is why I don't like lapel mics. I'm going to touch it. I'm going to be a good steward of both mics. We're talking about whole life stewardship. So we've talked about how to live on purpose already with our time, our talent, and our temple um, those three are, I believe, I believe all four of the subjects we're talking about are important to be good stewards over. But today we're going to talk about everybody's favorite subject in stewardship, our treasure. Uh, it's definitely, uh, well, I don't know, temple and treasure, are, they can be both a little dicey subject to talk about with people uh, because I would assume we struggle the most with both of those. Uh, I think most of us, if you were to ask like, hey, could you be a better steward of your time? Yeah, probably. If you were to ask if you could be a, a better steward of your talent, yeah, probably. Yeah, you know, I, I could probably tweak that. I could give up something, and I need to figure out what my unique calling is in life. Ask somebody if they can be a good steward of their body better, and oh, hold on, that's a sensitive subject. Or could you be a better steward of your money? Oh, that's another sensitive subject. We don't like to talk about it. But Jesus made it clear this is an important subject. Not because money is important. Jesus also made that very clear. Because lordship is important. And Jesus made it clear that money, of many of the things in the world, money has that unique ability to steal his lordship in our life because of what it is. As Americans, uh, most of us probably are Americans here, uh, we are some of the most financially blessed people on the earth. I looked at a statistic this, this past week. It said most of the world, not averaged, but most of the world lives on about $2 a day. I think that's pretty crazy, pretty incredible to understand that. One would hope because we're the most financially, some of the most financially blessed people in the world, that because of that, we're also some of the most generous people on the earth. But overall, that isn't a reality. In reality, we've allowed luxury to become our Lord. We have gotten so used to luxury, actually, when we are experiencing only a moderate amount of luxury, we consider ourselves poor and we call it struggling. It's one of those amazing phenomenon. How many of you have ever been on a mission trip to a third world country? What happens when you come back from a missions trip in a third world country? Do you come back and just like immediately go back to all the luxuries of this world without a thought about it. Something weird happens when you come back, right? You begin to see all of the extravagant luxuries we have. It takes just a week, two weeks, whatever your missions trip was, to spend in a culture that doesn't have all the blessings we have, and it becomes really clear. You get back, and, and I don't know, but anybody, any of you ever go through that like angry 
stage when you come back from a mission trip, like, you're all so wasteful and everybody's so conceited. And yeah, I, I have. I've done that. I've been through that journey of getting angry about everything. And then a month later, I'm just, you know, going back to, to the normal luxuries of life because it's the life we live. We have no idea how blessed we are until you spend some time in a country where basic luxuries like the ability to go to the bathroom with moving water. That's a luxury that much of the world doesn't have. Simple little things we take for granted. It's amazing how we have gotten so used to it. And when we experience just a moderate, a small amount of luxury, we say, oh my gosh, I'm so poor. Oh my goodness, I'm so low on the totem pole. And yet we're rich compared to the majority of the world. My goal this morning isn't to make us feel bad for being how blessed we are. I tried that when I came back from a missing trip. didn't work very well. Uh, there's no real purpose in that either. Just because you feel bad about being blessed doesn't do anything for the kingdom. Instead, I want us to ensure that we're living on purpose with our treasure. That beyond just finances, however you define treasure or however the Lord wants to define treasure in your life, that we're living on purpose with it. Not just that we feel good about our treasure, because that's just a whole different subject, but that we're living on purpose with it. That's different than just being comfortable with where we're at financially. <clears throat> this isn't possible if the Lord of our lives is luxury or money. You will never steward your treasure well if the Lord of your life is luxury or money. Jesus needs to be on the throne of our lives. Now, <clears throat> I haven't uh, talked a lot about uh, finances but in, in my time as being a pastor, but I do know that people in church get frustrated at times with a conversation about finances or stewarding our treasure well for two reasons. Their church talks about money way too much. Uh, I can't say I've ever been a part of a church that did that, though I've talked to some people who have, where you know they were every every series had like a money aspect to it. Um, if any of you can remember the last time I preached on money, you're doing better than me because I can't remember it. So we don't talk about money that much around here because I don't. I just don't believe it's an important subject. God's going to take care of it. We're going to be faithful about it. If our hearts are in the right place, things are going to work out. So uh, number one, people reason people get frustrated is their church talks about money way too much. Number two, they get uncomfortable because money is their Lord, and they don't like that being talked about. Uh, and it makes them uncomfortable when money is their Lord. Now, <clears throat> again. If you, this morning, were to sit there and process and say, you know what, I feel like, uh, unbeknownst to me, luxury or money has become my Lord, and it sits on the throne of my heart. Do not feel condemnation or shame. That's not the goal. Because condemnation and shame do not necessarily or generally produce change. Feel the love of Jesus calling you to more, saying, there's no reason to be condemned over that. You've just simply missed out. It's not a shame on you. It's a, man, you've missed out 
on what there is to be had when Jesus is on the heart of your, or on the throne of your heart and you get to steward these things well and you get the blessings that come from that. And they're not financial blessings. Sometimes they are, but those aren't the important ones. The blessings are a life well lived before the king. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 to 24, Jesus very clearly addresses this idea himself. In verse 19, it starts, Don't store up treasure here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. No one can serve two masters. For you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. There are two huge themes I believe Jesus points out here. I think everything Jesus says is important, but there's two huge themes I want to pull out from this this morning. Number one, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. One of the elders made one of the comments this morning, uh, something I've heard also as well, is you want to know where a Christian's heart is, is just open their checkbook, open their bank account, and you can see where we spend our money, where we invest our money. It shows right where our heart is. There's there's no explanation necessary. Any third party could uh, audit our books and see where our treasure is. And they can very clearly make uh, and get an understanding of where that is. Jesus says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. And number two, you cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. It does not work. Jesus didn't say it's, it's a little bit trickier. It's more difficult it requires greater discipline. It's not what he says. He just says it's an impossibility. When we're enslaved to money, when money sits on the throne of our heart, we cannot serve God. It'll always stop us from serving God. So I think the opposite is also true of these, that our current level of generosity makes it clear where the desires of our heart are. And we're going to talk a little bit more about generosity in a little bit, But I want us to understand this word of generosity. What does it mean to be generous? It definitely doesn't mean just writing a check to somewhere or giving money to something. That's not generosity. That's just shifting responsibility in a lot of ways. Generosity is a heart attitude. It's a heart that wants to bless. And it it goes way beyond finances. I've heard many people talk about how, how if they just made a little bit more money, they could be more generous. Oh, if I, if I just made more, then I could start to be generous. You know how often that happens? Maybe you've been in that boat and you started to make more. And what happened? You spent that more all of a sudden. All of a sudden there was things that needed spending and, and then you wanted a little bit more and then you spent a little bit more. It almost never happens. If we're not generous when our income is small, we won't be generous when our income grows. There's always more luxuries to spend it on. And we don't even call them luxuries. We call them necessities. They're needs. They're things I must have. I have to have a cell phone. 
with all this data and all, you know, $100 bill every month. I have to have this. That's a luxury. For some of us, it's a necessity for our job. But there are so many things that we spend money on, that we invest in. And Jesus was clear, where our treasure is, there the desires of our heart will be. When speaking of generosity, does the most powerful teaching in Scripture that you can think of, does, it, does that teaching talk about how the millionaire gave of his great wealth and abundance, and he gave something and it blessed somebody else? Or when you think of generosity and maybe a story from the Scriptures, does a poor widow come to mind as you think about uh, a scriptural reference to generosity? Mark chapter 12, verse 41 to 44. It says, Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. If Jesus was concerned about the amount that we're giving, this story is a lie. Jesus is a liar if what he's concerned with is the amount that we give to him. Jesus was very clear. This widow gave more than everybody else. Did she numerically give more than everybody else? Of course not, because this isn't a money issue. It's a heart issue. She gave more of her heart to God than anybody else had. That's what Jesus is talking about. If you do the research, which I did for you, she gave the equivalent of 14 cents. That's what the uh, two coins add up to, about 14 cents. Most of you, if you were to tithe, it'd probably be more than 14 cents. And yet Jesus is amazed at the level of faith of this poor widow and her heart, her love for Jesus and her love for God's kingdom. She gave more because she gave sacrificially. It wasn't out of her surplus. When she gave, it hurt. It says she gave everything she had to live on. She didn't know where money was going to come from next, but she had faith that God would provide. She made her lordship evident when she put God's kingdom first. And now we don't know all of the reasoning behind this. Certainly Jesus wasn't promoting everybody needs to give everything that they have to live on. That is not the point of Jesus' sermon or Jesus' story here as he's commenting on the widow. That's definitely not what Jesus, again, it's not about the amount. It's the heart attitude of this widow as she gives. She very clearly pointed out God was on the throne of her heart in her actions. We know so little about this widow and yet we know so much about her, about her heart, about where she stood with God, about what her priorities were, about her relationship with God. So let this just dispel this idea, because we're going to talk about tithing. I've heard from people before, well, I don't even make that much. My tithe doesn't really matter to God. It doesn't matter because it's not that much. That 14 cents 
made the world to God. It meant a, a huge amount. Actually, more than all the other offerings, Jesus said, that 14 cents made a huge deal. So if the enemy tries to convince you, ah, you know what, you don't make a lot, so don't worry about stewarding your finances well. It's not going to matter. It's not going to benefit the kingdom that much. There's, you know, it's not going to send a missionary overseas. It's a heart attitude as we bring all of our treasure under the lordship of Christ and say he's in charge and he's, he owns it all. Everything we have belongs to God, but he's allowed me to steward this a portion of finances. One of the things I want us to get this morning is God doesn't want our wallets. That's not what he's after. God isn't this money-hungry person running around trying to get more money from people. And blessedly, uh, I get to serve on a leadership team and an elder board that they're not concerned with your money either. I love that. Our church, just that's never been a focus since I, before I came here, and it's not a focus now. Last time that I think the last time we talked, I think it was like fall of 19, was the last sermon we did on, on treasure. And I remember, at the end, do you remember, you, you, some of you were here then, and we, at the end of the sermon, we kind of gave this little challenge, and it was like something to the effect of, you know what, tithe for 90 days, and if, if you don't experience something change in your heart as you allow God lordship over your treasures, we'll give it all back to you. You can have it back. We'll refund you every penny, because we don't care about the money part. What we're concerned with is the heart, that we would be a people who put Jesus on the throne and that everything else, it works its way out. It works its way down. When he sits on the throne, all these other matters, they just find themselves under the lordship of Christ. Because God knows when getting money masters us, it ruins us. I've never met a person who was so obviously mastered by money, who who finances and, and luxury sat on the throne of their heart that was happy. Any of you know someone who spent all of their time and energy, sacrificed their family, their kids, their everything to make another penny, who just has overflowing joy? How many people do you know that don't have two pennies to rub together, but they're so joyful, and they have so much love, and they have a heart for people? Man, if money produced happiness, then the richest people in the world would be the most happy, joyful people you've ever met. And in my experience, some of them can tend to be the most miserable people because they're always concerned about the next penny, trying to get more because it sits on the throne of their life. And Jesus knew that. That's why he was clear. This, is, this isn't about money. It's about our hearts. He wants our hearts because he knows how to care for them. And the world doesn't care about our hearts. Jesus knows that giving is always more blessed than receiving. Acts 20, 35. It says, and I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Many of us uh, have experienced this in life. Uh, I don't know. I know a lot of you have the app. How many of you watched that video that we sent out yesterday? I love that video. It's really good. Uh, but in that video, I love the joy the dad has as he talks about putting his son in front of the kickballs and saying, choose any kickball you want. And I've gotten to experience this as a parent. Uh, one of the cool things that has happened, Jackie and I have talked many times about it, is I found I have way greater joy watching my kids have fun than I ever did having fun myself. 
There's just a unique joy to watching your kids enjoy themselves. Because I didn't get a lot as a kid. We were not wealthy in any way, shape, or form. We didn't do fun things. We stayed out in the woods, uh, and that's we pretty much played in the trees. Uh, so, like, doing something like we went to an indoor water park with Killian and Kiara and getting to see him run up and down these slides and making friends and just having a blast. And it brought me so much joy. I didn't do a whole lot. I mean, I did a couple slides with him or something like that. But I had more fun watching him have fun, be able to give him this joy, to be able to let him receive that joy than to actually do something myself. Um, And that concept is true in so many ways when we're able to bless others. How many of you are better, uh, would, would rather, so we do this as part of the, uh, our board of ministries, one of the things we do is we, uh, we used to, uh, we changed the, the format of it, but we used to take one person at every meeting and we would all encourage them. And it was uh, cool because one of the rules is that you can't just talk about somebody. Like if it was Doug's turn to be encouraged, I have to look Doug in the eyes and I have to say, Doug, this is what I appreciate about you. And shockingly, nobody loved to be the person being encouraged. <laughs> Everybody tried to avoid it, to be that person who received the, the encouragement. Why? Uh, we like to give more than we like to receive, to be even on the receiving end of encouragement. It's much easier to tell somebody else what, what we're, like, what, how they bless us and awesome things that we see in their character than to be in the hot seat. And to have other people look us in the eyes, and there's a lot of tears, and we use a lot of tissues and stuff. But, uh, and we still do it now, we just take turns, every person around the table gets to do it. And it's always easier to encourage somebody else than to have it given back to you. But it's, it's such a blessing. I don't know if, you're, if you've ever felt this. If you haven't, then pick somebody today to encourage this week. And, and follow through on it. But it's a blessing when you get to look somebody in the eyes and tell them what you see God doing in their life, what you appreciate about who they are, and seeing it hit their heart. And that's an awesome thing. And it's also awesome to receive it. It's nice to be encouraged. But man, does it feel really good to be able to authentically share something with somebody, to give, always more blessed to give than to receive. So why do we tend to ask God to give us more? I don't know if you've ever been in that place financially where maybe things were tight, you were struggling, and we begin to ask God, God, could you just give me a little bit more? God, can I have that raise? Can I, can I get more money? Rather than asking God to show us more opportunities to give ourselves. Lord, this week, open my eyes to opportunities around me to where I can bless somebody else, where I can give in a way that affects the kingdom, in a way that advances your message. And we don't pray that prayer nearly as much as, Lord, please just let me get this new job, get this this raise. How many of us, now this, don't raise your hands, how many of us are dissatisfied with our financial situation? How many of us sit there and say, oh man, if I just made a little bit more, man, I'm just not comfortable making this amount. If I just made a little bit more money, if we are dissatisfied with our current financial situation, the current influx of our treasure, then we're kind of left with a dilemma. If we're a believer in in Jesus Christ and, and we walk with Him, and we're dissatisfied, 
with our current level of income. Either God hasn't given us enough, either, you know, He's dropping the ball and He's not giving us enough money, or we're not stewarding what He has given us properly. I, maybe there's a third option. If there is, you know, let me know. But those are the two I'm left with when I wrestle and I'm uncomfortable financially and I struggle and think, oh, Lord, I've only made this much more. God reminds me, did I not give you enough? Or are you not stewarding what I've given you enough or well enough? What does proper stewardship of treasure look like? What does it look like for us to be good stewards of our treasure? Some people think it's about not having too much debt. If you ever, uh, any of you ever follow the Babylon Bee on, on social media, I, they're hilarious. Uh, but I saw an article, I think it was this week, and it was like, you know, they're, they're satire. And it was like Dave Ramsey, you know, chases couple down to remote country or something like that to keep them from debt or something. You know, if you've ever followed any of Dave Ramsey stuff, he's like, no debt ever. Don't have debt. I think that's a piece of, of the puzzle. That's not the entirety of stewardship uh, of our treasure. Some people think it's about saving for the future. You can't just focus on today. You've got to think about tomorrow. I think that can be a piece of the puzzle. I would say probably more people than not, some think it's about tithe. Well, stewardship of your treasure, it's all about tithe. I think it's also a piece of the puzzle. But I think we've elevated tithe as the goal. Somewhere along the line, we decided that the tithe is the goal of financial stewardship. That if we can reach that, if we can get to where we're giving God 10% of our money, we've achieved it. We've reached peak financial stewardship. It's not the goal. Tithing is not the goal. Matter of fact, it's the bare, bare minimum of the stewardship. Of, our, of the treasure that God has entrusted to us. Look how Jesus put it, Matthew 23, 23. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. Man, there's so much packed into this right here. Jesus is speaking to these Pharisees who are nailing it. 10% of everything, he says, even your herb gardens, you're tithing 10% of everything. So why is Jesus upset? If they're hitting the peak of financial stewardship, why would Jesus be frustrated with them? Because it's not about money. Even stewarding our treasure is not about money. It's about lordship. And Jesus is making it clear. You're neglecting the more important things, aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. It's one of the things it seems like the Pharisees never really understood. The law wasn't about the law. It was about these things, justice, mercy, and faith. That's what the law was, was there to help teach us all of these things. Those of you that are reading the Bible through in a year, uh, we're going through some laws right now, right? And, and the first part in our Old Testament reading, man, it is law after law after law. But it's not about just hitting the letter of the law. Some of us tithe, but we're still missing the mark. Because it's not about just shoveling off that 10% and saying, okay, God, 
you got yours, now leave me alone. Jesus affirms tithing almost offhandedly here. He says, yeah, you should tithe. Yes, that's definitely something you should do. But Jesus says the heart issues, that's what I'm really after. They're of way more impact than money. When our heart is right, tithing's just not an issue. Now, I've also want to speak just quickly here about the specific tithe, about tithing. I've only seen two reasons people don't tithe. And again, I'm, I'm not experienced in life. Maybe there's a third one, but here's the two that I've seen. Number one is ignorance. Sometimes they don't, people don't realize it's a command. They, they miss that there's a command of tithe. Uh, I've heard people say, well, it's only an Old Testament thing. Well, Jesus does say, yes, you should tithe. Uh, he does affirm the idea of tithe, and that comes from Leviticus 27.30. It says, one-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain from the fields or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord and must be set apart to Him as holy. That's where tithe comes from. Literally, the word tithe means ten. It, it, it's a, uh, it means ten, ten percent. That's where tithe comes from. So I, I've legitimately seen people that said, oh, I didn't know that was a thing, that I, something I should do, that I should give God 10% of everything. Uh, so ignorance is no longer an excuse we have. Uh, number two, the only other reason I've seen people is lordship. It's a lordship issue. We feel that we're in control of our finances, and God only gets some if we have extra. How many of you have a ton of extra at the end of every month? No? Me either. We, we're budgeters, um, so we don't have any extra. Everything goes where it's supposed to. But we feel like we're in control. This, this is my money, and I'm going to do with it what I want. And if I have a couple bucks left over, sure, I'll throw it in a plate. But we fail to understand that 10% is God's. Every time we spend it, we're stealing from God. Now, you maybe remember if you were here, uh, one of the first uh, messages in this series, uh, I gave you the analogy of if I gave you $10 and I sent you out to get me some food and say there was $2 extra. Well, using the same analogy, I give you $10. I say, hey, can you go grab me something to eat from, I don't know, I have to say somewhere healthy. I can't tell you fast food after last week's sermon. Uh, So uh, I tell you to go get me something healthy from somewhere. Um, uh, It hurts me just to say that. Um, But I gave you money to go get some food. And I say to you, if there's anything extra, by all means, you know, use it on yourself, get whatever you want. Uh, I don't don't want the extra, just you you can spend it on yourself. But I give you that $10 and you go out and you decide, you know what, I'm going to flip-flop this. I'm going to get what I want first, and then I'm going to get Uh, you're going to get me something to eat. But then you go out and you end up spending all of it and you say, oh, there's nothing extra. And you come back and I say, okay, where's my food? And you say, well, here's the thing. I was really hungry and I spent it all on me and then there just wasn't any extra, so sorry. That's the exact same thing with God. God says, hey, here's your finances. Now 10% comes to me and then there's this 90% left over. He actually addresses this idea because Israel had started to walk away from this tithe concept. They started to not be faithful with their tithe. In Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 to 9, it says, Should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You have cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. You are under a curse, for your whole nation has been cheating me. See, we can't manage what we don't have. 
You haven't been called to manage 100% of your finances by God. That 10% isn't ours to manage. I've also seen other people like, well, yeah, I, I do tithe, but uh, I, I don't you know, give it to a church or an organization. I spend it over here, and I spend it over there, and I spend it in this way, and I spend it in that way, and uh, they're not tithing. I mean, they're just spending the money on what they want to. That's not our 10% to manage. It's God's. Everything we have belongs to God. We are only His stewards. So we give Him His 10%. And then we seek to steward well the other 90%, which, guess what? It's still His. The whole 100% is His, but He's made it clear. That first 10% goes right back to Him. So how well are we using the 90% that God has given us to steward to meet our needs and to further His kingdom? Because here's the thing. God doesn't sit up there and say, okay, now you have that 90%. Every single penny needs to either be given away or spent on just basic needs. That's not what he does. God celebrates when we get to go and we take vacations and we get to enjoy ourselves and we get to do things like that, especially, and we get to enjoy it more when we're stewarding it well, when we're doing what God's called us to, when when he sits on the throne of our heart. We get to enjoy many of these things. It's not that we have to live these you know, lives of, of complete uh, non-luxury where we have to reject all things. People have tried that. It doesn't work. Uh, it doesn't fix heart issues. Heart issues are going to be heart issues no matter how much we spend on ourselves. We need to put him on the throne of our hearts. It's not about uh, looking at your checkbook and saying, well, you know, you spent, you know, $13 on lunch, you know, that could have been spent, you know, somewhere else in the world. That's not what God's, he's not sitting there trying to nitpick every little expense. He's saying, what Where's your heart? Who sits on the throne of your heart? What, what drives the decisions you make financially? Is it your need for more? Is it your desire for luxury? Or is it your desire to honor me as the king of your life? And when we give our 10% back to God, I just want to be clear, that's not generosity. That's obedience. I've heard people say, well, I'm very generous. I give my tithe every month. That's not generosity. That's just basic obedience. God said, that's his. If I were to tell you to give you 10 bucks and you said you were going to go get me food and you bring me back food, that's not you being generous. That's you doing exactly what you said you were going to do, what you were commissioned to do. Isaiah 32, 8, though, says, but generous people plan to do what is generous, and they stand firm in their generosity. I want you to think for a moment. I actually want you to think about this. Think of somebody that you know who is outrageously generous. Somebody you know who's just a crazy generous person. You have this person in your mind yet? Somebody you know is generous. What is their general disposition? They're probably really grumpy because they could have spent that money on themselves, right? How many of you thought of a crazy generous person that's miserable? No? Shocker. Whoever it was that you thought of, I'm going to be willing to bet, but don't bet because it's wrong. (laughs) But I'm willing to bet that person has a joy that is unique to them. That one of the, the, the defining characteristics of them is their joy and their love for people. Why? Because it's a lordship thing. 
When Jesus sits on the, on the throne of our hearts, it doesn't just affect how we spend our money, it affects everything. And sure, we become more generous because money doesn't have this lordship over us and we get more generous, but we also, because Jesus is on the throne of our hearts, we start to act a lot more like Jesus. We start to develop his characteristics and his personality. We start to have his heart for people. We also start to experience his joy. Some of us, we lack that. And maybe we still tithe, but Jesus still isn't on the throne of our hearts because it's not, it's not what it's all about, like Jesus was hitting the Pharisees with. Just because you follow the letter of the law doesn't mean that, the, that God sits on the throne of your hearts, Pharisees. He says that you have to focus on these things. These things trickle down, justice, mercy, and grace. They trickle down when Jesus sits on the throne of our hearts. See, when we have this mindset that everything we have belongs to God and we're only as stewards, we're willing to exercise generosity with our house, our car, our phones, our businesses, everything becomes His. And we get this proper understanding that everything we have is His. We've simply been called to steward it. All our treasure is used to honor God in any way. It's one of the things I, you know, I love about our house is it's kind of become like Jackie's family, like bed and breakfast. You know, they love coming and staying with us and we love having them. We love, uh, many of you have been to either dinner or parties in our house where we've grilled or barbecued or cooked or Christmas party or something else. We just, we love to entertain people. We love to use our home in a way that is generous to others. And, uh, you know, some of you have used one of our vehicles because that's, they're there. We have an extra vehicle. So we like to bless when we can bless. And it's all about honoring him with all of our treasure. Everything we have belongs to him. And we should use it to further his kingdom. It's not like we just throw God his 10% and say, okay, don't bother me now until next month. Or next week, if you're a weekly tither or a monthly tither, whatever that looks like for you. That's not what God's interested in. He, he, he can't be bought off with 10%. He owns everything, so you're not going to win him over. I don't care how much you make with 10% of whatever it is you make. You're not going to win him over with 100% of it. It's not what he's interested in. He wants our hearts. God doesn't want our stuff. If you're sitting there this morning and you're hearing, oh, pastor's telling me that God wants all my stuff. He doesn't. He wants your heart. That's what he's interested in doesn't want our stuff, but he wants our hearts. If you feel like you're constantly behind financially, if you find yourself frequently dissatisfied with your financial situation, if you find yourself constantly asking God for just a little more, there's a good chance you're not living on purpose with your treasure. And you could benefit from some help with financial stewardship. And it's one of the things I, I want us to do as, as a church is to offer some classes and, and some courses on what does it look like to budget? What does it look like to steward the finances we do have? Uh, I don't think I've ever sat down with somebody, and I'm a budgeter, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a nerd, I like numbers and like graphs and charts and stuff. Uh, I've never sat down with somebody to help them with budgeting that we didn't magically find like a bunch of money in their finances. Uh, because they realized, like, wow, spending like $10 at Sheets every morning, five days a week, that's a lot of money. And if you just made your own coffee and you made your own breakfast, look how much money you saved. Little things like that. And we found money for many people in that. So maybe, again, this is not shame. It's not, oh, shame on you. It's 
Jesus is inviting you to more. He's inviting you to a life like that person you thought of who was crazy generous. He's inviting you to that peace that comes when he sits on the throne of our hearts and money doesn't drive us anymore and we're not constantly dissatisfied with our situation because what we focus on is more of Jesus, not more of this world. Just remember if you did watch that video that we sent out. If not, if you have the app, it should be in your inbox. You can find the link to that video. His question is, is, do we believe that God is good? It's kind of the main question there. And I firmly believe that God wants to bless us. He seeks to bless us. And many times what holds him back is our inability to handle it. He's saying, man, if I gave you $10,000 more, it's going to ruin you. If I gave you that, if I gave you that promotion, it's going to ruin you. You're just going to be so focused on making more and climbing that ladder and all of this. And so sometimes God says no, not because he doesn't want to, but because he knows it's just going to ruin us. There's a reason I say no to Killian after like 15 grapes, because I know if I let him eat the whole bag, it's going to ruin him in bad ways. He wants more, but he can't handle more. And some of us, our hearts aren't ready for more. What happened to Israel every time God blessed them uh, under the judges? Every time he blessed them, they went downward spiritually. It was the blessing that ruined them. When they were down at the bottom of the valley, man, they loved Jesus. They, they loved God. They worshiped him. They, they got back to him. They got rid of their idols. That, and these things were easy, but it was on the mountaintops that they really struggled. But what if? we could remain focused on God and he could bless us. Those are the people I've seen that God blesses tremendously with things because he can trust them with more because it's not going to ruin them. Just to be clear as we close, we're not preaching this false gospel that some people preach. We're not promising you that you're going to be financially rich if you start tithing. That's not going to happen. Maybe, I don't know, but that's up to the Lord. But by no means is there any guarantee or or even a slight guarantee that if you start tithing, all of a sudden, God's going to fill your storehouses. No, that's not what we're saying. We're not even saying that if you're outrageously generous, if you give a bunch of money away, that God's going to bless you financially. That's not what this is about. One of the greatest blessings to our family, uh, one of the blessings we've received by putting God on the throne of our hearts and not allowing money to have lordship in our lives is that Jackie and I, my wife and I, have never once argued about money. That's a tremendous blessing. It's one of the top three reasons people get divorced, is over money, over finances. You, those of you that are married, you probably can relate. There have been times in your life you've fought about finances. It's been a stress. The reason why I believe that we don't fight about it, because it has no lordship in our life. It's a tool that God uses in our lives. And I pray the same for all of us. Uh, had one person tell me, well, I can't remember actually what they said, but I do remember the conversation I had with them. I was trying to remember, and I couldn't come up with what they said, and I don't want to lie. But I, and I offer this to any of you. If you believe that I'm you know, blowing smoke or anything like that, I will happily, we'll both sit down with you, we'll show you every penny that we spend. With one caveat, you have to commit to spend, to give away the same amount percentage-wise that we give. I'll make that promise to any of you. Anybody wants to see our finances, more than happy. We're not ashamed in any way that we spend our money. But if you do it, you have to give away percentage-wise the same amount that we give away for six months and see what God will do there. 
I've experienced this awesome thing. It's like the more that you give away, it begins to release this hold that money has on you. And I, I, I was always a selfish person. I grew up with very, very little. And so whenever I did get money, I, I tend to, I, I was kind of a miser with money. And so it was really hard for me to be able to bless others and give away finances. Then I learned, because I told you I'm a nerd, I love to budget, I actually started budgeting blessing money. And I had to explain this whole concept to Jackie when we met uh, why my finances were the way they were. Because it's like, okay, this portion of money, I can only use in other people. I don't have access to it anymore. I, I treated it very similar to my tithe. It was above and beyond my tithe. But I said, this is only to give away to other people in different ways. And whether it was buying somebody a meal or uh, supporting somebody overseas or something like that, that's what this portion was. And my goal, because somebody encouraged me from college, was to increase that amount consistently every year to add more to that amount. And man, I couldn't, I, I can't, I could tell you endless stories of how Jack and I have been blessed because of Jesus having lordship over our lives. And I don't tell you this stuff to pat myself on the back. There's so many areas that we're not good at uh, that we need to grow in. But man, I feel like this is one of those areas, if you need help, I would love to help you with. Because the Lord has brought us on such an amazing journey with this. And I feel like we have something to offer in that area. So I tell you all of that for that reason. If there's something in your heart that says, you know what, this is an area I need to grow in, then please reach out because you need help with this many times. Finances are tricky and it can be very difficult. It's one of the reasons we were going to have the financial seminar today after, after church. We ended up having to cancel it. But the people that were running the financial seminar are still available. And as part of the Alliance Church, you can access their expertise for free. This whole program is free. And so I want you to think and pray about that. If you don't have a will prepared, if you don't have any of these plans, the Alliance has a whole branch specifically geared toward helping us steward stuff way beyond uh, when we leave this earth. And so uh, if you need help with it, please let us know. And we'll give, you, we'll give them your contact information and they'll reach out to you. And um, I don't, it's not like they update me on any of that stuff. It's just you and them working through that kind of stuff. But they're, they're way more skilled than I am in all of that stuff. What I want for us is to be able to live on purpose with our treasure. That's why I got really excited about the financial seminar. Because I realized even as much as we love to budget and as much as, you know, as faithful as we are with some of those things, we had no plans for like our kids or for any of that stuff. And so we weren't being faithful with all of our treasure because my kids are the greatest treasure I have. Uh, and I wasn't being faithful with that. And so they, they're helping us get that uh, finalized and worked through. But I want us to understand that God doesn't want 10% of our stuff. That's not what he's after this morning. He wants 100% of our hearts. Let us be a people who plan to be generous, not just you know, grab opportunities when they happen to smack us in the face, but who plan to be generous, who give more than we receive, who store up treasure in heaven, a people who have an abundant joy that overflows in rich generosity toward one another. Let's give God 100% of our hearts and let's live on purpose with our treasure. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you have done a work in my life, Lord. I, I don't know where I'd be today without you. I know it wouldn't be pretty. And Lord, I thank you that it didn't go just as far as getting me into a church building and sitting me in a seat, but you invaded every aspect of my life. And it has been glorious. Lord, I thank you that you 
love us even when we mess up, even when we're not being faithful, even when we put things like finances or luxury on the throne of our hearts. You still love us, and you invite us to more. You know it's, it's not a shame on you concept, but you just know there's so much more for us. The joy that we will have, the freedom, the lack of stress and anxiety that comes when you sit on the throne of our hearts. Lord, I pray for every person here that they would relinquish control and they would hand you the reins, Lord, that they would set you on the throne of their hearts. They would, in some cases, maybe they need to get off the throne of their hearts. Maybe they need to get finances or whatever else it is. But Lord, I pray this morning we would worship you as the true, the one and only God. It is your name and only your name by which we can be saved. We cannot save ourselves. And so, Lord, I pray as we seek to be people who steward our entire life, our whole life stewardship, that we would recognize that whatever financial situation we're in, wherever we're at in life, you have made us on purpose and for a purpose. You have these amazing and wonderful purposes for us, Lord, and I thank you for that. And I pray we would live lives worthy of the calling to which we have been called. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Have a great week.